Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast, Paige DeMarcos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner. And we have a lot of news to get into today, guys. We could do this entire podcast without any topics and just go through all the news that has happened uh, because there's a lot that happened over the weekend. Uh, there's a lot that's happened these first couple of days that has fantasy and just regular football implications. But the big thing, the big storyline that happened over the weekend that we're going to continue to to monitor is Earl Thomas being let go from the Baltimore Ravens, right? And and what where he's going to go, where he's going to end up. Um, but the big story here, and I'll let Jake take this first, is is Earl Thomas, who although he's 31 years old, had a had a really good season last year, right? Very 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 good football player. The fact of the matter is the Baltimore Ravens allowed for their leadership to and team leadership as in player leadership to say, this is not, he's not doing what he needs to do. Then he has an altercation with the player on the field. And that was it. And this isn't, this isn't Baltimore saying, Hey, we're going to cut a rookie or Hey, we're going to cut a fringe guy. This is a starter. This is a pro bowl caliber player. And this is a big deal, Jake. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts overall on just on just what this means to see a player like this get cut and honestly where is he gonna go right there's there's not like a clamoring for this attitude that he has apparently because now he's out of Seattle and out of Baltimore two places that traditionally players really like playing yeah apparently this was a really long leash and this is a systemic problem for Earl Thomas I mean I think you know, we talked in the pre-show about like this is where you got to be in the media or as a fan, a little bit slower to judge what's going on behind closed doors, especially in an organization like Baltimore who keeps everything pretty quiet. Earl's the one that came out and showed the video and kind of apologized and stuff. But we're talking about late to meetings, late to meeting, and his excuse was I had to get my car washed. This was a we're going to cut you eventually. You have to stop being irresponsible, basically. Going back to our conversation last week about being professional. This is not something we'd ever heard about Earl Thomas, right? Phenomenal player. You think he's really smart and he's doing all this. Well, the player, it happened because he screwed up a red zone assignment because he hadn't been in meetings and walkthroughs. They didn't have a choice. He bounced back off the broken leg, had a really good season last year, patrols the back end of that, allows them to play man. Marlon Humphreys, Marcus Peters isn't the greatest man. He's really good at zone. They can mix and match. But Marlon Humphreys is matching up with everybody, and you have Earl patrolling the back end. It's a big deal. Where is he going to go? Uh, we keep hearing rumor about Dallas and Ian Rappaport says no. And then Jerry says, Ian don't know what he's talking about. Jerry ain't made a decision in Dallas yet, <laughs> uh, but it doesn't look like it's going to be Dallas. And I think if you, there people are checking, if this is systemic, I don't know what his market is. The other thing is they they cut him cut conduct detrimental. They owe him $10 million. They're waving that. They're not paying him anything. It's a yeah. big deal, man. Like what's the market? it could end up being like a $2 million incentive, prove it somewhere in a place like we had mentioned San Francisco because of Richard Sherman. Does any, do they need him? No, but everybody needs a player like that, especially at a price, right? I could also see a place like maybe Indianapolis with their super veteran locker room, a solid defense. Uh, they've got really good back end players, but they're young. 
they could they could use some leadership but he, apparently this isn't he's not a leader we thought yeah. he was in Seattle like, there's so much stuff we thought about Earl Thomas which we're now learning was not really the case uh he's gonna end up somewhere but it's not gonna be for 10 million dollars he cost himself a ton of money and this is apparently a big deal yeah I think it I think it's a massive deal and Jamie I think the biggest thing is we talked about this last year and we talked about it on the pre-show when Minka Fitzpatrick got traded, right? And you're thinking, you're looking at that and you're going, no way, super talented, doesn't make any sense. How the hell are you doing this? But this isn't the NBA, right? There's one player doesn't have the impact on a on five guys out there. Like you're talking about in football. There's a, It's a totally different animal. And if you're one guy, this is a reminder that you're not bigger than the team because Earl Thomas is a hell of a football player and Minka Fitzpatrick is a hell of a football player. But Brian Flores was trying to set the tone in Miami and Baltimore's too good of an organization to deal with this shit. They're like, no, we're not, we're not doing this. And I think that's Jamie, you, you were the one who really pounded that last year when we were talking about Minka is that, Hey, listen, like, I get it. Minka's a talented guy, but Brian Flores is trying to set the tone. And I think this is the same thing with Baltimore. It is. And look, that organization deserves the biggest benefit of the doubt of any organization in the NFL because of just the, the pretty much since they came into the league, they have always tend to make the right decisions here. And based on what we know about the coaching styles of Harbaugh and company there, we know that this is not a, you know, a player shows up two minutes late to a meeting and they cut him the next day. It's not a Tom Coughlin type thing where on time means five minutes early. Mm -hmm. This is a problem that has happened for a long time. And we've kind of known about this too, a little bit with Earl Thomas going dating back to last year. So this has not come out of nowhere. Obviously this now gives the Ravens the ability to come recoup some of that money, that $10 million of that deal that they gave him a couple of years ago. But that, that creates this other dynamic that you guys have already touched on, which is, if an organization like Baltimore is saying, you know, who's a Super Bowl contender that does not have a clear replacement. I mean, Deshaun Elliott is, has been oft injured, sixth-round pick. Like, they don't have a proven option to replace him. If a team in that situation is saying, we are better off as an organization not having this player on our roster that clearly makes us better as we're trying to win a Super Bowl, and well, quite frankly, trying to win a playoff game with Lamar Jackson – that should, that should raise a lot of red flags elsewhere. Now, teams are going to take a chance. Someone's going to say, I, I can fix him. He's learned his lesson. It's a low-risk deal. Again, it's different. You know, he signs with a team for 2 or $3 million with, no, with incentives and no guarantees. It's a hell of a lot different than what he was working on in Baltimore. So that, that changes the factor a little bit. But I, I think the reason why he hasn't signed yet is because, again, our, our team's going to be clamoring to add a player that already has these issues. Now, somebody will add him. Uh, a team that could be in that mix that we haven't talked about yet is Houston. Uh, they have shown some interest in him. This might be a case of, you know, the big, the big overarching theme with the Texans right now has got to be what does Deshaun Watson's next deal look like? Are you going to be able to re-sign him? Deshaun Watson likes Earl Thomas. He's already tweeted about liking Earl Thomas and not quite saying you wanted him on the team, but intimating that possibility. Uh, is that something you explore this thing, maybe to keep that quarterback happy a little bit as you're trying to begin negotiations with him? Maybe. Uh, but I don't imagine these issues are just going to just go poof, gone overnight now that he's leaving Baltimore. Cause that's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, one other thing worth noting here is before our fans blow us, why wouldn't they trade him? Don't think for a second. They didn't know about this 24 hours before it hit the media and they were calling. These guys are living at the complex. It's just training camp right now. These guys are working 24 seven. They've already called everybody. There was yeah. no trade partner or before they cut him, right? And then they had to they guarantee they check with legal. 
about the conduct detrimental and they had it all documented of, we don't know him shit. So don't think for a second, all that didn't happen. Jamie, I love your idea with Houston. They can be riskier because they know they're not very good. Their back end sucks. They got to get help in their secondary. I don't think it matters that much, but that's a place where they probably pay him a little more than some of the other places. He played it, you know, he's from Texas. It makes a lot of sense. Um, if the Cowboys didn't want to go down that route, I, I think he'd mess the Cowboys locker room up at this point. That's there's, my there's thing guys in that locker room that are kind of shaky anyway. I wouldn't mess with that, that leadership there. You've got, you've got a, a window, right, with the Cowboys where you're looking at, hey, they, they fancy themselves a Super Bowl contender, right? And whether or not that's true or not, you know, we kind of have to see how the, how the season plays out. But Houston's kind of in a different boat here, right? Like, I don't, I don't think anybody's looking at Houston and going, yeah, that's a Super Bowl team. They might think that, but we know when we look at this division across the board, there's a lot of question marks about that team. Their big thing is we need to keep our franchise quarterback happy. And that's why I think what Jamie brought to that's the table is so interesting. Oh, I totally agree. But do you trust Bill O'Brien to not choose the wrong side of the slippery slope? Because I don't. That dude's going to do whatever he can no, to keep I mean, his right job now, and Deshaun keep his Watson quarterback. Watson is sliding down a giant slide at freaking Slippery World. Like, this is – he's already gone heading towards the pond. Keep – I guess keeping him happy, but you're setting a tone for the franchise of, you're not happy, we'll sign your buddy. I mean, Bill O'Brien's out the door anyway if they don't win, so it is what it is, but, like, that's a slippery slope to play with. But it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but you got you you got to assume he comes in there. It's not his defense. That JJ, that's JJ Watt's defense, and that's not that's not up for question. So he's coming into a place where he doesn't have to be the leader because that's not the expectation. He can just go play football, right? And maybe yeah, but apparently maybe, he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to. Yeah, I mean, part of playing professional football is showing up on time, going to yeah. walkthroughs, going to meetings, not showing up late because you're getting your car washed. Come on, See, man! Like that's that's I, all bullshit. Yeah. That's a terrible thing to have permeate your locker room. Yeah, I don't I don't know how to fix that for him though. Like I, I don't know Cut his ass. Fix. Baltimore yeah. fixed it. Yeah. On how you're gonna I fix think... it for him. He's made a ton of money. And if that's what he wants to do in a place like Baltimore where he thinks he can get away with it. Maybe he learned his lesson because he just lost himself ten million dollars. Like that's not he didn't lose himself a, a quarter of a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollar fine. $10 million is a hell of a lot of money. He didn't I lose mean, himself a little bit of money. they warned him multiple times, and they had to cut him for him to learn that. That's even worse. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're looking at a place like – not 25 like, either. Like, no, yeah, that's the other thing. Out of college, that's true. Never, doesn't know how to handle the success. So, but I go mean, back to he played on his current contract, wanting a new one in Seattle, broke his leg, and flipped off Pete Carroll on the sideline. They gave you the contract, bro. You're sitting there on $10 million. And you – Come on, like this goes back, this points a lot of fingers in, in, in one place for me, going back, listening to all this stuff. You go back and look what was going on there. He was the only dude left of the Legion of Boom. The rest of those guys had moved on. It was his deal. He couldn't handle it, and then he blew it up again. I, this is, uh, I don't know, I, I think he lands in a, I think he only lands in a place where somebody has to take risk. So where is that place other than Houston? Do you guys think there's anywhere yeah, I mean, else that makes sense? The more we talked about it, I don't think San Francisco messes with it. I don't care about Richard Sherman uh, and their friendship. Um, to me, it'd be too much of a risk. Even if Richard Sherman's like, I can handle him. Well, I don't want a guy you have to handle. I want a guy that wants to be here that's a freaking leader that's 32 that's going to be the back end of this defense calling out defenses. It's very similar defense to San Francisco they played in Seattle, so that makes sense. But uh, also have two really good safeties already. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, – 
like we said, the football X's and O's guys that knows what he's doing, everybody wants. But nobody wants this kind of this deal. Jacksonville. Yeah. Why? That's the thing. Like this is if this was baseball, like one of those teams would take a chance on him, maybe see if he turned it around and then trade him. That doesn't name, name recognition. Yeah, yeah, no. that doesn't yeah. happen in the NFL. It, it, I mean, it could. It just is not how the NFL operates. So I, I don't know. I mean, look, Houston, Atlanta, the, Dan Quinn, maybe. Yeah, maybe uh, that could be. That's a good point. Deion O'Neal gets hurt every year. They need help. Yeah. Like that, that's a that. Yeah, they need be, that, help but there. They, they're risky, right? They they know they're all in the hot seat. He would make them better. That would make that would make some sense. Yeah, hmm. I mean, that's, look, a, that's, look, that's a good one. Dallas needs the talent. They don't need the problems that come with it. I mean, because they are weak at safety. Xavier Woods and uh, you know the combination of whether it's Haha Clinton Dix or Thompson or whatever it is out there is not good enough. Like that is not a. Uh, they have a lot of good pieces on that team. Safety is not a strength. But do you want to deal with that drama? Because whatever drama that comes becomes exponentially greater because it's the Cowboys. Does yeah. he get washed out drama-wise, though? Because there's already so much that goes on there. Like, you got Dak in this whole contract thing for the rest of the whole year. It's going to get talked about. He becomes maybe an afterthought there because he's just – it's the Cowboys. There's so many layers there. You got Alden Smith slash Josh Gordon drama. You're just waiting on that to happen. Yeah. Maybe, but no, this is a big deal. He's a bigger name than all those guys. Yeah. yeah. Something happens it's- to Dallas. It's a big deal. We'll see. Jerry likes to mix it up. Jerry likes to keep things interesting. So we'll, uh, we'll definitely continue to monitor that because I tell you this much if Jerry signs him and something happens, he might end up having to pay Jerry money. That might be how the contract is is worded (laughs) and looks at. Yeah. Jerry, uh, Jerry's got some interesting tactics that he is that, that is, that is absolutely for certain. All right, moving on. We'll continue to monitor that because obviously the football player, all the off the field stuff is a nightmare, but the football player impacts, what he's bringing to the table each and every Sunday and how we're going to evaluate teams as we move forward. A uh, quick note for our Arizona Cardinal fans that listen to the podcast. They extended Buda Baker this morning. Uh, so exciting news for him. It's pretty big deal. Four years, 59 million, $33 million guaranteed. Uh, yeah. Kudos to him. Jake, your thoughts on, on Buda who has, has been uh, a big part of this big part of this Cardinals defense that hasn't really had a, a ton of shining stars, um, especially since, you know, Tyron Matthew left and they've had some departures and Patrick Peterson not sitting, sitting out for six games. So he's, he's been a big part of this, this defense from day one. My favorite part of this is Buda went to the Pro Bowl as a special teams guy, went to the Pro Bowl again, went to the Pro Bowl as a safety. Didn't, you've never heard a word out of Buda Baker. This is not a guy asking for a contract, not a guy asking for it in the media, puts his head down, goes to work every day. Gets beat for a touchdown, comes back and makes a pick. Plays all over. I love this, man. This is awesome. You got to applaud Steve Kime and the Cardinals for getting this done. It is the the focal point of that defense that has to be there. Patrick Peterson's in his last year. You don't know what's going to happen there. He's also aging. This is a big deal. But I love it that it's a guy that wasn't bitching and moaning, wasn't traded, one more. Goes to work every day, got rewarded for doing a hell of a job. I love it. Jamie, your thoughts on uh, on Buddha? Just in our Arizona, we got a big Arizona audience, so I wanted to give him some love today. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot, but he's yeah. a key piece for the long term success of the Arizona Cardinals. And I know it's so easy because when we think about Arizona, we think about the offense, we think about Kyler, we think about Cliff Kingsbury calling plays. Kind of can't forget about the other side of the ball too. And Buda Baker is a huge piece of what they need on that defensive side for the next five, six, seven plus years on that side. And again, 
You don't know if Patrick Peterson's going to be there next year. You don't know how many more great years Chandler Jones has left. You're going to have to build that secondary and build that defense as a whole around a player like Buda Baker. Uh, so it's, it's a good idea to get the deal done. They have the money to do it. He's a long-term piece. And again, you're never going to, you're never going to regret locking up long-term young proven talent. Yep. No, he's uh, I love the, I love the way Jade broke it down. Cause he's just, he's, he's been quiet since he got here, um, walked in and especially Cardinal fans here were not happy when Tyron Matthew was gone, right. Was such a big part of that defense for such a long time. So this was uh He's come in, played his role, done things right, and has become a fan favorite here very quickly. A lot of people love it on – and that's a great football name, Buda Baker. Great, great, phenomenal football name. Uh, all right, another piece of big news uh, that happened over the weekend was there's a specific lab um, that really effed things up with the COVID testing, right? So Kudos to the NFL. We talked about it a little bit, but they have done an exceptional job at getting everybody dialed in on what is going on and keeping the players safe. They administered 58,000 tests. Uh, 23,000 of those were players. They had six positive tests come back, but zero were players, right? None, zero. What happened, though, was there were 77 false positives, and they came from the same lab. So Jake wants to put on the tinfoil hat and play a little game here because, listen, this doesn't even require a tinfoil hat, really, because New England is always doing shady stuff, and we foresee something potentially being an issue down the line, and I am here for all of it because New England, if you talk to anybody, one of my favorite stories that Bertram Berry tells is about playing up in New England and how they never, ever had issues with any of the microphones and any of the coaches, but the only place they ever had issues was when they went to New England. <laughs> and I think that's case in point on how there's always just like, it's just little stuff, little stuff that sneaks by that they do that they get away with. And this seems like, you know, another tinfoil hat opportunity. So take it away, Jake. Yeah. Or it's 18 degrees outside and the heater's broken. The air conditioner's running full blast. We can't fix it. Right. And this is this what this is is bullshit. The NFL had all those tests, zero players, zero players test positive. Right. It's every team of the 32 is anti baseball. They're all doing what they're supposed to do right. Now it's training camp. They can keep their hands on them a little bit more, but zero tests. And 77 false positives come out of the, the wrong, the same lab to the point where guys have to wait 24 hours to get retested and they miss a day of practice. Not the end of the world. If this is a Friday or a Saturday, we got a big freaking problem on our hands when Buffalo beats New England in week three and they're playing again in week 11 and 27 Bills have a false positive on a Saturday and can't play. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but it brings all the conspiracy bullshit in that the NFL doesn't need because they just had all these tests done and zero players, zero test positive. You have 77 screw-ups. Come on, man. It, just, it cannot happen. This is the problem with everybody doing everything right and the lab screws up. It's just, it, it pisses me off. It can't happen. And it just brings in too much bullshit to talk about that shouldn't be talked about right now. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's one of those things. The jokes aside about New England, you can't have this, right? You no. can't have, you don't have the opportunity for a screw up here because you're talking about major implications for a football team if this is a Friday leading into the weekend 
heading into a football game, Jamie. And that's why we brought this up because really it's not as much as we'll poke fun at New England and God, God, God hope this doesn't become a thing with them because I, I would not be surprised, but all of a sudden we see a lab that's linked to like Connecticut or New Hampshire and you're like, oh, interesting. And then you see, you're like, start p- putting dots together, right? It doesn't take very much. But the bigger thing here is if this is a positive test on a quarterback, right, for a starting a starting quarterback for a football team, and it's a false positive. It was. That's Josh what I'm Allen saying. was one of them. Yeah, Josh That's Allen. what I'm saying. Like, that's a massive, massive deal, not only for the football team, but for a fantasy owner. And how do you, how do you deal with that going into the season? It's, it's amazing to me that Josh Allen's inaccuracy carries off the football field too. Um, no, it, it's it, – it, look, the NFL hasn't – they're going to play a normal – I'm not even – I'm not even going to, like, give the laugh break there as we keep going. Um, the NFL is playing, aside from fans uh, or, or limited fans, a normal schedule, which presents this problem of there is no wiggle room. Uh, I don't know if we ever brought this up on the podcast, but – um, Kyle Krabs of the Draft Network kind of sent uh, Paige and I his little proposal of what he would have done for the NFL season if things were getting bad, of essentially running, uh, playing your division uh, twice and then every other week type of thing that gives you an extra time. If somebody were to test positive, you'd have like almost like a bye week every week to prepare for it. But it's going to be, look, it's going to ha- odds are it's going to happen at some point in the season. It might not be for a starting quarterback, might not be for a star player, but odds are just given the nature of the world at some point over the 17 weeks of the regular season before they maybe get a playoff bubble, this could happen. And it's going, and if it's a, depending on how big of a problem it is, like for the bears, what was it like eight or nine players that, that tested falsely positive for it. So Te, uh, nine, as our as our intern Clutch is, is showing me now, nine. That a boy, Clutch. Uh, I mean, that's that's significant. I mean, just in general, just in mass volume, regardless of who the players are, having nine players off your roster at the last second, um, not having the um, um, ability to bring anybody in is going to be a big factor too. I don't know how you prevent it at this point, uh, other than just continued uh, continued testing. I, I mean, I, I don't have. I wish I had the answers to this. I don't. Uh, at least this happened for the first time now and not two weeks from now. So there can be other protocols put in place, and maybe there are contingency plans in the way that they test. Maybe there's a backup laboratory that you can go to. That's Whatever it is, the NFL can figure it out right now, at least try to, versus having to try to scramble in week one or week three when it happened for the first time. Uh, but back to the New England point, uh, they don't, the NFL doesn't have a policy in place that I'm aware of like this. But the first thing I thought of when the NBA put in that snitch hotline uh, which is not the official name for it, but it's what we're calling it, that I just cannot imagine just like Belichick, like with his, his surveillance technology being like, well, you know, well, you know, Josh Allen was at the uh, getting wings at this Buffalo store. I, 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 I saw him interact with somebody that had the virus. And I think he needs to be, think he needs to be pulled from, from the game. All I can Sunday. see is Frank Caliendo right now. <laughs> I know. I can't, I can't even do, I can't do impressions and I'm not going to try, but uh, oh, man. I need an NFL snitch line. Cause that'd be hilarious. Oh, needed back. The, the, the good news is the NFL did build in. You know, they went back. If you go back and look at how they did the schedule, they went back to the year they thought there might be a strike. So they built in weeks, I think it's weeks two and three, weeks seven and eight, eight and nine, something like that, where nobody plays division games. Yes. And if they had to take a break, they could and get it under control. Yeah. So there is that kind of stuff that's built in a little bit. The other thing that would be really funny here is those of us that have been MF'd by NFL coaches or college coaches and know how the scolding can be, put the NFL teams that this, uh, this bothered and affected Get that head coach on a jumbotron with the entire lab staff and let him go off. 
and then bring in the next one and let them all get MF'd for a little bit. I promise you this lab is not going to be doing business with the NFL again. It's one of like many labs that are associated with one overall big lab, but that would be pretty funny to, uh, because I promise you business, business leaders and business bosses don't, uh, don't scold you like NFL coaches do. I promise you. I, I vote uh, to move in favor of Bruce Arians, Pops uh, taking over the MFN because um, nobody will simultaneously make you feel good but then just cut you down at your legs better than Bruce, and he'll come in real hot, and nobody delivers in a, a MF better than Bruce. Nothing I can comes promise you, if this was nine bucks, he'd be MF and anybody that wanted to listen for the last <laughs> two days since this happened. It probably was anyway that it happened to some other people. I'm quite sure uh, there would have been a uh, angry text message that would have had quite a few of those in there uh, that, that both of us would have seen. So, yeah, it's it's a big deal, though. All jokes aside, they cannot Huge. have this happen. Cannot. It is not. It is not where we're like, hey, this is a joke. No, it cannot happen. It cannot happen. It, there's no excuses. You cannot have the – they got to have other – opportunities to get this right because you you can't play bears or whatever it doesn't matter what team you got nine players test positive that's gonna have a massive massive implications for your football team it can't happen they got to get it right um but happy to report that no players tested positive over an entire week period of time that is excellent news kudos to the nfl and kudos to the players because there has been a lot of discussion around whether or not they would take this as seriously as they needed to right and I think there's a really it's hard not to look at the major at major league baseball and go here's an example of people not taking it seriously we still had Yadier Molina after all these Cardinal players are not taking it seriously taking pictures on Instagram saying F COVID right and you're like dude you just don't get it right so the NFL players this was one of those things I was going are, are these guys going to dial in and do what they need to do? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your personal feelings are towards this. You better wear a mask. You better take it seriously. And you better what, – what is Jamie? You always say, you're like, I'm going to limit the opportunities here. I'm just going to – Play the percentages. Gonna, play the percentages. That's exactly that's, that's right. That's all it is in life. Yep. Play the percentages. What's the – you can't – there's no foolproof plan unless you're going to wall yourself in, in like a bunk – in like a nuclear war bunker or something. <laughs> you just give your – just – Play the percentages, wear your mask, go out as infrequently as possible, social distance, do all of those things just to give you, even if you, even if you don't, I don't even, I'm not, won't get political, but even if you don't believe in the severity of it, I don't want to get sick in general. I don't want to get a cold. That's exactly right. Regular flu. I don't want to, whatever you think this is, I don't want to get sick. So don't put yourself in situations for this to happen. And more importantly, if you're an NFL player, don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to jeopardize your health, your teammates health, your family's health and the health of the game for the season. I mean, there's a lot of responsibility there. Ask the Jets if they want uh, to talk about getting mono last season. It impacted their whole damn season. Like The season was over before it started. The second Sam got got mono. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't care what the hell your personal feelings are about this or not. Players don't – if you get the – if a player gets the flu and it goes throughout the locker room, that's a massive implication for the football team. They don't want to get anything. Because either way, it's going to – you think you can go play a football game if you're throwing up and you don't feel good? Come on now. Like, you don't, you don't want any of this stuff to happen to you. So you better – I'm happy that it, that it has been taken seriously because, man, baseball has been a testament to what not to do, right? And, and, 
and not all, I don't want to say all baseball, because there's been plenty of teams who have taken very seriously and have done an exceptional job. And I have voted to kick the St. Louis Cardinals out of Major League Baseball so fast. It would make me so happy. Okay, That's not surprised anybody knows your allegiances. But look, look, like you said, regardless, you want to be healthy in general in life. And in yes. football, like you, said, you don't want to be throwing up mid-game because T.O. will blame a Super Bowl loss on you. Like, there's so many things you need to be able to do in order to win on Sundays. So, it's just – just be smart. Jamie's on, on one today. <laughs> Jamie is on one today. I love it. I love it. The jokes are flying left and right. Okay, a couple of pieces of news, and then we'll get into our questions. So, Lamar Jackson returned to practice after missing two practices with a groin injury, so positive news there. Tyreek Hill participated in individual drills on Monday, so after we talked about his hamstring injury, good news there. Uh, Grant Delpit lands on the IR after tearing his ACL. Bad news, Uh, obviously. Achilles. 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 So very not great. Um, one One of the guys the Draft Network was really high on last year. Very excited for him. Um, so that's bad news. AJ Green returned to running yesterday, right? But hasn't played in not ha- has played nine games since 2017. So just just a footnote on that one comes from that one comes from our intern clutch. That's a good that is a good footnote on the fact that he hasn't really played a whole lot of football in a long time, and that is bad news for you um, if you're excited about drafting AJ Green. Last thing here, because we want to talk about it a little bit more in depth, is Tyrell Williams suffering a torn labrum uh, and is going to play through it. Because as Jake said in our pre-show, there's two options here. You play through it or you have season-ending surgery. So you're not going to have season-ending surgery, so he's got to play through it. This is going to be tough for him, especially considering there's already talks about uh, how good other people look how good some of the other position players look in, in this offense. So Jamie, we always have jokes about Tyrell Williams and his three catches for one touchdown and a certain amount of yards every single game. How is this going to impact him when you evaluate it? Cause I know you updated your rankings um, last night and dropped them this morning. Yeah. I, I dropped Tyrell Williams out of my top 80 in my updates today. I, I think I, pre- I ended up projecting him for about eight games. Uh, and I think even that's asking a lot. Really tough dude playing through that foot injury last year, trying to play through this torn labrum this year, which is going to be excruciating pain, particularly when he tries to make a catch above his shoulders or above his head, uh, which he probably have to do fairly often. It's not like their car is going to float it, you know, 15 yards of room to run under it and just basket catch it. Not the type of game that he plays. But uh, to me, the biggest changes here is I've moved Henry Ruggs up. He's inside my top 40 now as my wide receiver 38. Uh, I moved up Brian Edwards a little bit as well. Hunter Renfro moves up a bit. So it's good news for those guys. I'm still not drafting Brian Edwards yet in a just a normal 12-team league, uh, but as someone to kind of – might be that waiver wire speed dial guy. I'm going to do a whole article on that the week of. Uh, usually we do our waiver wire articles on Tuesday, so Tuesday before week one since there isn't really waiver wire at that point. Uh, I'm going to cut guys that you should put on your speed dial for that. So uh, look, keep an eye on that. Uh, but it's – to me, I think for fantasy, you really it's the biggest change is that Henry Ruggs now becomes a very interesting option. Not somebody you're going to start in week one per se, but somebody that is going to be a top of the bench option. He was already my top rookie wide receiver and just kind of uh, lengthened the gap between him and Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb for me. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what he's able to do. But it's now a very, very young pass catching group 
for the Raiders right now with you could have two rookies on the outside, second year player in the slot and Hunter Renfro. Uh, if they go to a fourth wide, I guess it's not as young, but Nelson Aguilar is there so he can drop some passes for them. So it, it's really just, it, it's a, it's a young core and in what many consider to be a make or break year for Derek Carr in some sense. Uh, I think that's going to be interesting to see if they can bring in after cuts, another veteran talent to bring in there, because I don't think Tyra Williams is going to make it uh, through the whole season. No, I think they have to bring somebody in. Here's, here's the football perspective where it kind of screws up. They want to put rugs in the slot and they're not going to be able to, he's going to have to play a lot in the slot, a lot outside. And if Tyrell Williams goes down, he, he goes exclusively outside, brings Hunter Renfro back, back in the picture. So if he plays the first seven or eight games and then they put him on IR and, and Renfro hasn't done a lot, it's a great guy to look at halfway through the season when there's been a bunch of injuries. And if that becomes the case and Ruggs goes back outside, how much of a transition is there going to be for Ruggs doing that twice? And then you bring Renfro back in the picture from a fantasy point of view, might be a great guy down the stretch for you. Yeah, it's um, I feel for him because, man, what a terrible injury to try and play through here. This again, is like, again, again. Played, played with it two years ago. Yeah, he's tough. Like as we said, tough ass dude. But you gotta that you don't get uh, fantasy awards for that. So unfortunately, you gotta be able to look at your rankings, adjust accordingly, and that's why you gotta you guys gotta check out what Jamie uh, dropped again this morning and update to the Eisner board uh, today, Tuesday, August twenty fifth on the DraftNetwork.com. Premium members get access to everything. Non premium members get access to some of it. Um, definitely want to check that out because uh, there's been. Needless to say, as we expected, there's been quite a bit of change um, because we knew that this offseason was going to have more implications than ever before because of the lack of the lack of training camp and then the end of the, the lack of preseason. A couple quick notes so I can continue to plug my stuff before we move on uh, to actually helping people. But no, this will actually help. Uh, so for those of you that are premium members on the Eisner board, there are updated rankings and projections, but the updated projections uh, include Kenyon Drake, Adrian Peterson, Antonio Gibson, Sony Michelle, Bryce Love, Jarek McKinnon, Tyree Kill, AJ Green, Henry Ruggs, as I mentioned, and Renfro, Alshon Jeffrey, Mike Williams, who's also dealing with a multi-week injury, uh, Brandon Ayuk, Mike Jacecki. So those are all going to be projection updates, uh, just to name a few for those of you that are premium. For those that are just looking on the free side, there have been updates to the top 40 running backs and wide receivers that you can see now, now live, top 20 quarterbacks, top 20 tight ends. Uh, all that stuff is live as well. But I would really encourage you uh, to go to TDN, uh, to become a TDN premium member and go on the Eisner board because I was answering questions on Twitter last night for those in standard leagues. And if you could see my entire projections, the way they're up there on the Eisner board, you can very easily create your own rankings based on those, based on whatever. You could have the weirdest league scoring of all time. and You could find a way <laughs> to convert those projections into what you can use for your particular league. Yeah, excited for that. Uh, Jake, myself, and Jamie are going to be playing in a fantasy football league with nine of our premium members. Pick those guys. They sent us bold takes. Man, they sent some fantastic bold takes, which was awesome. Had a lot of people that wanted to participate in that league. So I'm getting on in. right now. As soon as we're done checking, I got a draft tonight. Oh, which could not be pushed back. Couldn't we? Oof. Couldn't do it. We all. Yeah. I got a fun smack talking ten team league that I lost in the finals of last year. We're not going to say to who. Uh, Shelby, we're, we're my girl. We are drafting tonight, <laughs> so I'm 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 all in on checking this out. I got I have some homework to do. Yeah, that's right. Wifey, wifey with Paige behind the scenes doing the whisper campaign. We took down Jake. That's uh, that's my girl. Very, I basically very... played myself in the finals. Let's be honest. Oh, that's right. We got no, her. No, I can't take the credit from her, man. She had, she uh, did good, and she had her girl helping her. 
So it is That's what it is. Right. That it's it's a lot of smack going on in, in in you know this is a big deal. And it's I early, Amy. She's got I'm not she's liking early. it, man. Everybody's yeah. like, no, let's just get it over with. She may yeah. or may she may or may not have a hot pink shirt that I was wearing yesterday that is on the way to her house soon. Fantasy to... football legend. Legend. That's that's a right. That's a right. Legend, yes. We have, we we have just, a trophy we... in the house, but it's not in my office. That's not cool. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The smack talk begins. It's the best part of football season. Uh, and on that note, Jamie, we've gotten through all of our news and notes. It is your turn to take over as the host. you got the biggest questions. We need answered from the AFC and NFC North. If you guys didn't listen to that last week, we did it on Thursday. Um, lots of fun to get through some of these questions because, man, there's, there's a lot to be answered uh, across the board in the NFL. Yeah, and it gives us a chance to look uh, very micro-focused on individual decisions you're going to have to make at some point in your draft and kind of touching on those beyond the top rounds, too. Uh, let's start with the Baltimore Ravens. We talked a lot about them so far today. And look, the biggest question is going to be, and ever since draft night, how will the crowded backfield be used? There, there are those that are extremely high on J.K. Dobbins in the fantasy community, in the fantasy expert community. There are those like myself that says, not this year, that Mark Ingram isn't dead. He's just 31. Uh, and he's going to be used plenty this year. And I love J.K. Dobbins for the future. If you had to take these guys, because right now J.K. Dobbins is going inside the top 100, is that a player in particular you're targeting, or do you still think this is going to be Mark Ingram's team slash Gus Edwards slash Justice Hill uh, for 2020? Didn't Gus Edwards get traded? Did that happen? Or was that no, that was, a, that was a the fake rumor. Schefter. Yeah, that was the uh, fake Schefter. Account. That was the fake I was Schefter. Say, I'd like it and like it even more, but no, if that's the case, then hell no, I don't like it. I'm not touching it. I agree with you. I think this is a, a next-year thing. Unless Ingram tears a calf and Gus Edwards pops a quad and Justice Hill, like, no, there's just too many things that have to happen. This isn't a handcuff situation. Uh, and if it is, it's way too high to take a guy like that. I like him, but he dropped in the draft for a reason. He fits what they do. He's not a great pass catcher out of the backfield. Uh, and he's just a dude. This is still Mark Ingram's team. He's still the guy. Yeah, he's, it's still Mark Ingram's team, and it's still Lamar Jackson's team. You guys, this isn't a traditional we're evaluating a running back room. You have a quarterback who runs more than anybody else and is going to rush constantly and is the number one running option. Like, that's you've got that on top of three other backs that are going to touch the football ahead of a rookie. I just I, – I get that we all get excited about rookies, but this is – Mark Ingram was the I'm going to ride or die with Lamar last year guy, if you recall. Uh, he's the MVP talking, got up in – this is – those two are going to continue to have the nice little chemistry that they have. And I just don't – I get the talent. I like – excited for J.K. Dobbins. That's, that's a crowded backfield with a quarterback that runs the football more than he throws the football. I, I'm, I'm not taking him inside my top 100. That's not happening. I agree completely. And here's a fun little stat for everybody. Uh, last year, Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, and Lamar Jackson made up 85.7% of Baltimore's rushing attempts. Even if that percentage drops by 3% and no other player on the roster gets a carry, Dobbins still wouldn't have 100 carries. I mean, so I, I just, unless there's a major injury, uh, to Mark Ingram, I don't see a path where J.K. Dobbins is or a, a couple. There's yeah, still I mean, I mean go force. back two years. Lamar and Gus Bus were doing it before they brought yeah. in Ingram. Yeah, I mean, they're going to downs. Gus before they go to J.K. Dobbins. He's not skipping him 235 pounds and runs that read option. Great. They're not skipping over him just to play J.K. Dobbins because they drafted him. When Mark Ingram is gone, 
I will like Jake, J.K. Dobbins a lot. But while he's still there, uh, I mean, it, it's it's fascinating to me because it feels. I I don't want to get off on a tangent because we have we have too many of these other questions. But I I saw a prominent fantasy personality make a comment yesterday in regards to Mark Ingram was that, and the analysis of why J.K. Dobbins was going to be better this year was Mark Ingram is thirty one years old, and that was That's the not- end of the analysis. Yeah. Which I I, I need no. someone to talk to me. So by the way, so is Julio Jones. Different positions, I get it, but like. By the way, Gus Edwards is there, dude. Like, this is yeah, not just I, a dude. It's a dude that knows a system that was great in a playoff game and has been and successful, really good down the stretch with Lamar. Yes. I will take the I will take the tangent for you, Jamie. When you're talking about fan, the the reason that a lot of fantasy analysts get busted on is because they don't think about actual football and how that actually impacts fantasy football. Okay. And that's why this show, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a job for these two guys, right? That's why this show is so great because it, there's a different approach to everything and it's a combination of, hey, let's look at the analytics, but let's talk about the actual football because it matters that a rookie is going to have three weeks to prepare to get into a season and your analysis is Mark Ingram's 31. Well, Adrian Peterson's what, 34? Does that matter? Because he's still busting ass over there in, in Washington. That's a, that is like... That's absolutely horrendous. Like you, how do you, uh, how is that your, that's not even analysis. Like that doesn't, what, what is your, what is your actual ranking for that? Other than you are excited about a rookie. There was no Gus. Like you cannot forget the dude that's ahead of him on the flipping depth chart. Yes. Two guys ahead of him. At least. Two guys. And a like, is Justin Hill not coming in on third downs in, in certain situations? I mean, like, he's – again, that was the guy that everybody in Baltimore's back for last year we had to all run out and get. So, I'm, I'm just saying, temper expectations. I'm not spending a top 100 pick. No. no uh, let's move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And let's talk about a, a favorite of the podcast. Will Juju Smith-Schuster bounce back and be a wide receiver one this year? Yes, but he's up against it a little bit right now. Deontay Johnson's been out for, like, five days. Uh, which is getting Chase Claypool and Ebron and some of these other guys some valuable reps, but they need Deontay Johnson to take another step forward for Juju to bounce back to be the guy he is. I think he's a true number one. I think he can be a number one. He's got size. He's got speed. He's got hands. He runs all the routes. Ben loves him. He's healthy. All that stuff says, yes, they're bouncing back. By the way, they're going to throw the hell out of it. And a Hall of Fame quarterback is back. I am all in on Juju bouncing back big. Yeah, if he's not in the top 12, it's like, 12 to 16 right like I think he he ends up being wide receiver one like he he can one everything that Jake said on top of the fact that this kid because we know it and and we're very dialed into the situation took it upon himself to really take this offseason very seriously okay and, and I know that's what everybody says but no this is different he's been totally changed his diet working out extra at a high level doing every single thing right to get himself because last year was horrible for him. He hated it. He hated losing. He hated not being able to be in there. And oh, by the way, he played through multiple injuries at multiple different times with crap ass quarterbacks. Okay. Like, I'm sorry, but you can't look at what happened last year and go, yeah, okay. Well, that's, it's the same as when he's playing with big Ben. The biggest factor here is Ben's back. Ben and him have good chemistry. Ben trusts him. That's in and of itself enough for me, as long as both of those dudes are healthy, to go, yeah, it's Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's Ben. Yeah, it's Juju. I'm all in. That's By the like, way, they're, it, they're talking simple. about putting him in the slot a lot, which was going to be yeah. spectacular because that number to. one corner can't follow him. He's going to be a monster. Like Everybody knows how much I'm loving some T.Y., right? Love me some T.Y. 
T.Y. is not anywhere near my projection for Juju. That, that team is going to run it 50, 60% of the time. T.Y., we already talked about T.Y. is going to be a monster, be a top 10 receiver. Juju is going to have more targets than T.Y. He's going to yeah. have just as much big playability, if not more. So, yeah, I'm all in on him bouncing back, Jamie. Yeah, Juju's my number 10 receiver going into the year. I do think he finishes there as long as Ben's healthy. Uh, to that point, uh, since he got his first NFL catch in week two of his rookie season, his 16-game average with Ben Roethlisberger for receiving yards is 1,260. So that's, that's really the only difference here. And by the way, he was still on pace for a 1,000-yard season in the first half, even with only like a game and a half of Ben Roethlisberger. And then so, there's no Antonio Brown. He didn't do it. When yeah. didn't. Blah, blah, shut the hell up. He's a star. He was fine. He's be it, a star. It, Save me the Antonio Brown. Argument. He had two mannequins throwing him the ball for most of the season. So, and by the way, again, I continue to mention this. It got lost because Miles Garrett tried to commit murder on the field. But Juju suffered a concussion and a knee injury in that same Browns game last year. So that guy, and people kind of forgot about that. So I, I am all in as long as Ben's healthy, as long as Juju's healthy. And by the way, I do think he's going to play a lot in the slot this year now that Washington and Johnson have kind of established themselves a little bit. That's really, really exciting for me. And Ebron can play outside. Yes. Right. It's another big body with Claypool. They got multiple guys to put outside now where they could put him in motion. Ben can say, okay, zone man, Juju's in the slot. He's in like, that's, it's going to be a big deal. If that's the case. That is a ton of extra targets. Yes. Uh, by the way, I'm very intrigued by any red zone packages that include Eric Ebron and Juju inside uh, with maybe with, with Vance at the tech at the actual tight end spot. I mean, that, that, yes. that could get very interesting. Uh, let's move on to the Cleveland Browns and everybody knows how I feel about this. So I won't respond because I think people are gonna start taking shots every time I mention this, but how do you two believe Kevin Stefanski will change the Browns offense this year for fantasy purposes? Uh, they're going to run first. They have a two headed monster at running back. They fix the offensive line for the most part. I mean, uh, Jedrick Wills is not a rookie, but he's a rookie, but he is, he's moving to the left. I like him better on the right, but he's a freaking monster. We all know how I feel about Jedrick Wills. I love Jack Conklin on the right side. You got two tight ends. You still got Njoku. You bring in Hooper. I, I think that the, the play action, I, Baker Mayfield is going to be better in this offense. Go back to what Kirk Cousins, there's a lot of wide open stuff for the quarterback. You get him on the move. That doesn't mean you're throwing on the move. It just means you're, there's a lot of nakeds, a lot of boots. You get outside, you slide the pocket, you can see down the field a little more, got a little more time, they can take some shots. But because they're going to run it so effectively, that play action game is going to be awesome. So I, I think – that alone being run first, committed to the run, fixed offensive line, and Baker's really good on the move. Whether he's throwing on the move or he's getting outside the pocket, they have dynamic weapons all over the place. So, yeah, I, I think there's going to be more consistency and more commitment to the run to be able to play action off of. I, I, I love Stefanski's offense for this team. They're going to run the football. That's, that's the change here. Like, as, keep it as simple as possible. They need to run the football. They upgraded their offensive line. And this is my opportunity to plug Jake's article that he's going to have coming out on, on Baker Mayfield and Alex Van Pell and how this is going to impact this overall offense. Um, just we, we have been very critical on the show, as, as was deemed necessary to that offense, that quarterback, um, but that's coming, I think that's because we all like Baker so much, right? I tend to be more critical of the, the players and the teams that I have high expectations for and the teams that I like. It's the same thing with the Chargers. Like it hurts more because you believe in them and you know you can have it, right? The same with Baker. So very excited for that article to come out and for everybody to get to, to kind of dial into something that hasn't really been talked about a lot this offseason and listen, if you know Stefanski, you know he's going to run the football. They've got two guys who are very, very good. Jake called him the two-headed monster. 
that's all the analysis you need. They've got upgraded offensive line. They got two premier running backs and they need to do that to get the best out of Baker. That's it. And, and that's, I think what we're going to see. Moving on to Cincinnati. So I don't get on my Kevin Stefanski rant again about running the ball in Nick <laughs> Chubb. Uh, but let's stay with running the football though, because Joe Mixon's going in the first round right now. Which half of Joe Mixon's 2019 season is the real Joe Mixon? Through week eight last year, he was the RB36 on a per-game basis in PPR formats. From weeks nine to 16, he was, an R- was the RB14, scored 6.4 more fantasy points per game in the second half than the first half, and over the final four weeks of the year, saw a spike in carries to 24 per game. So which Joe Mixon are fantasy owners buying right now at his first-round price? You're praying to God and you're buying it's the second half. The player is the second half. The usage that Jamie and I have been screaming at for three years is he finally got involved in the passing game. So in his PPR format, he really helped. That's the player. Now, how much are they going to be getting their doors blown off that he's going to be in on third down and Joe Bernard's still a thing. He's still a guy that's there. He's going to take some stuff away. I took him yesterday in a mock draft over Aaron Jones, and I was really not happy that I did it. Yeah. And, I, and I'm – it scares me to take him in the first round. Now, if he's there in the second, as thin as the running backs is, and you've got one of the top four monsters, and you can get him as your secondary guy, or you get Aaron Jones in the first and him in the second, like, I'd feel really good about that. But if he's your premier guy, or if you take a receiver one and he's your only – he's your RB one, it would scare me. There's enough there to scare me, but the player's a freak. He plays That's- through everything. He plays every week, right, Paige? But, I mean, like, you got to be a little bit hesitant here. The the reason the hesitancy exists is for everything you just laid out there, because where I'm going to have to draft him, he's going to have to be my premier guy. And I just don't feel comfortable saying that he is. I think he is that guy. I think he can be that guy, but the usage is a problem. And I think this team is going to get, get, be getting blown out a ton and they're not going to be running the football and they're not going to be able to, to, to get the best or second half version of Joe Mixon that we got last year. That's the problem because when I look at this and I look at the position and a couple of quarterbacks and or a couple of running backs, and I've been asked this question specifically by a bunch of friends. Hey, who do you feel most confident of kind of that, that four grouping of, of running backs towards the end of the first round? And if it's Aaron Jones or Joe Mixon, I'll tell you right now, I'm taking Aaron Jones. I feel much more confident in Aaron Jones than I do in Joe Mixon. And I'll live with it if Joe Mixon ends up being the better guy. I just, there's enough the team, the the injury that he suffered last year, and he Still played a terrible really offensive stuff. line too, right? I that's mean, that's, that's, that's got to scare you. Big some part here. of it. I'm, Big I'm getting part into of like it. Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, maybe even Miles Sanders that I'm liking ahead of him, even though I like the player better than most of those guys. And and the situation O line, yeah, yes. I mean it's just it's tough. Better lines, better team, better quarterbacks. You're looking at a rookie quarterback, barely any time to prepare for the season. Don't love the coaching staff and everything that's there, even though Husker Nation, I love you guys, but it's it's like it's not great. And the offensive line sucks. I mean, it's it's just it's not it's not there's not a massive upgrade there. And we don't know what the hell we're gonna get from Joe Burrow yet. I know everybody's like buying in and training camp that it's like, oh yeah, he looks good in shorts. Okay, all right, let's see what he He's looks the like. He's a dude and he has game. weapons and they're gonna sling it. All of that tells me yeah. Joe Mixon's coming back from the player we saw the second half of last year. I'll take Aaron Jones over Joe Mixon. That's 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 the position where I am, where I've gotten it in a lot of drafts, and I'm taking Aaron Jones every time, and not feeling yeah. not feeling bad about it. Joe Mixon's my RB eight right now. I have him going number eleven overall, uh, but it is as we talk about the evidence of the. I keep preaching my top four running backs of McCaffrey, Barkley, Kamara, and Elliott. 
it's shocking how quickly we get into significant warts at the running back position. Uh, I mean, it, it happens very quickly. Now, not all of the worst case scenarios are going to play out. There are going to be plenty of running backs that have very good seasons that have concerns that are, are not going to be a factor. But when you start talking about safety versus like who you're getting in these rounds, the running back position gets very weird very quickly, which is why I do think it is a positional advantage to have a top four or top five pick to get one of those top options. But uh, moving on to the NFC North and Paige's favorite Green Bay Packers, uh, if Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones aren't open, who the hell is Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball to? I still think Lazard's going to become a thing. He had a little separation last year uh, towards the end of the year, made some big catches, got some confidence, been through an offseason, kind of proving that he can be that guy. I mean, they're not, they don't have a tight end that's going to step up and do anything. Uh, I think Lazard's going to be that number two receiving option as a receiver. Aaron Jones is number two receiving option behind Devontae Adams. I think Lazard's going to be a thing. I think he's going to be okay. There's a place in a draft I would take him late if I went uh, in the middle of those rounds. There, there's so many receivers when you're doing these drafts. Tyler Boyd, you're getting late. I mean, there's guys that are – T.Y. is dropping. Keenan Allen's dropping. Like, if you're taking some of those guys in the middle and then you got to take running backs later, uh, if I take some running backs there like the Raheem Mostert of the world or Marlon Max of the world to, to back that up, then there's a guy like that that I would look at late as a potential bench option. And if he does pan out, you're okay. But I, I think he's the guy right now to kind of take that spot. Jamie, this is a great question because uh, as of yesterday, the Green Bay Packers had five guys that they brought in in the wide receiver position to work out because guess what? They don't have any good ones. They have Devontae Adams and a whole lot of nothing. And you guys are a dumbass organization for not drafting one in this past draft for your quarterback, Aaron freaking Rodgers. And I feel like I can't even believe that I've gotten to a point where I'm defending Aaron Rodgers, but I have listened to his podcast that he's on with Kyle Brand and all this stuff. And I'm looking, and I'm just going, this still is so dumb. It's still so dumb. It's never not going to be dumb what you guys did in the draft. And the fact that we're sitting here going, who the hell is Aaron freaking Rogers going to throw the football to other than, oh, by the way, the wide receiver who had a major injury last year is a freaking problem. That's a big problem if you're Green Bay. Alan Lazard, sure. I don't want any part of any of the rest of this. They worked out A.J. Taylor and a bunch of random people from the University of Wisconsin in hopes that they could find some random dude off a farm in Wisconsin that can play wide receiver for this football team. They're so dumb. I can't I, – I feel like it's so unnatural for me to defend Aaron Rodgers. But this breathe. is the place that breathe. I am. Breathe. No. No breathing. Breathe. No breathing. <laughs> this is like – I can't even believe every time I look at that draft class, I go, you have to be freaking kidding me. You have to be freaking kidding me that you didn't get one wide receiver. Like, how dumb are you? It's impo it is impossible to be that stupid that you are now, what is it, August 25th, bringing in a bunch of randos, and we're sitting here talking about who Aaron Rodgers is going to throw the ball to because you decided it was smart to trade up to get Jordan Love. I hope I hope you enjoy that Green Bay because yeah, like, the gonna Bucks go play took Tyler else. Johnson in the fifth round fifth for round. Minnesota. That's, like you, you're telling me a guy like that from the state over wouldn't be perfect. That's my point. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's awful. Alan Lazard and a whole sure. All who's he throwing the ball to? Alan Lazard could be AJ Taylor if they end up signing him from the University of Wisconsin. Who freaking knows? Anyways, Green Bay's stupid, and the only two people that I want any part of is Aaron Jones 
and Devontae Adams, obviously Aaron Rodgers, but the pass catching options. Don't come at me with Jay Sternberger, freaking TDN premium. I don't want to hear about it. I, I do not want to hear about Jay Sternberger. No more. Random do not the farmers, their fourth leading receiver last year. Uh, look, there's only two. The only pass catchers I'm taking besides Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams is Lazard. He's a top 70 guy for me, a wide receiver six worth throwing on your bench. Uh, I don't want Equimenius St. Brown. Uh, we'll, we'll stop there right there. Or Reggie Bagleton or whomever else. <laughs> this, they, this, this, I'm not making these point. names up. Are, like, this is my point, man. Like they, they pulled Reggie Bagleton out of the CFL. Like that, that's, I don't care. I don't care. Nobody else. By the way, the Packers didn't have anybody throw to last year. They still have nobody to throw to this year aside from their two guys, which is, again, a big reason why I'm not fading Aaron Jones like everybody else is because where is the ball going? Like, I, I, where is it going? Literally. It's not going to Mercedes Lewis. It's not. It's not. I mean, it's just, I don't know. But uh, enough. I, I see the rest of my time the page to trash, I mean, I trash on them. I need to just run through the names. This sounds like we made up a football team. Literally, the names of these creative players. Like, what is happening? Like, I just, as I sit back and I evaluate and I go, if you're the freaking Green Bay Packers, what do you do? You do anything but what you did. Literally, anything but what you decided to do. And Clutch is really just proving my point. He's showing a, a really beautiful orange Khalil Mack jersey, and I can't wait to watch him sack Aaron Rodgers. It. It's going to be fantastic. Look, it's, it's like we're fantastic. watching the Key and Peele All-Star edition yes. with, these, with these names. Like, that's all I can it's think so of is you funny, guys are going through the names here. Look, it's, it's not good. But if I'm having to pick one, it's Lazard. Yes, yeah. it's Lazard. Uh, moving on to Minnesota. Now, he is not holding out anymore, but there's still the big overarching question. How many games do you feel confident saying Dalvin Cook is going to play this year? 12. 12. <laughs> That's funny. 12. Confidently, I, I say 12. Um, yeah. He might play in 14, two of which you're not going to want any part of the, the headache that's going to go into that pregame because you're going to have to play him if you draft him at five or six, if he's going to be, but if it's going to be okay, he's 60%, but he's going to give it a go when it's 15 minutes for a kickoff and you don't have Madison, you're going to be like, ah, I feel 12 comfortably i think i don't even need the amount like literally jake and i both not prepped or anything both go 12 right at the same time i just i take four games a quarter of it i take it out and just go okay that's about where i feel comfortable and if you prepare yourself for that as a fantasy owner and you adjust your rankings accordingly and he gets you more than that great but you'd rather take a little bit more off the top knowing that if it does happen and he does play more, you're going to get a little extra juice versus him, you thinking he's going to get 16 and then he plays 10, right? I, that, that's got to factor Look, in, guys. And Madison's good. He's really we, good. We all know I love Dalvin Cook. I saw one I of know. these moronic idiots on a major news station yesterday in a PPR format that had him ahead of Alvin Kamara. Come on now. Come in on a PPR, now. Not, not standard. No, not no, like, no, come no. on, man. Like, no, you're, you're hoping he falls to you at 9 or 10 not you're taking him at four or five that this you can't happen there's too a whole many, lot too of hype questions. train whole lot of hype train yes. you're a year you're a year late whole if that's your lot. yes I, yes so i originally projected him for 12 uh that that is where i, I threw him in there i'll probably if he, everything is still good a week when i do my final eisner board update a week before the season i might bump that to 13 games because uh, i was factoring in potential holdout in there as well i'm comfortable taking cook at sixth overall that's where i would be feel comfortable taking him um I understand if you want to take a receiver there. I just, I don't know. I, I just, I can't, I, I know now I am destined to have like pick 
seven or something weird in the TDN league where I'm forced to take Michael Thomas in round one. Not that that's the end of the world. I just don't particularly want to do that. No, I just bitched uh, you know in the last year. When you had I know. Uh, yeah, I went with Devontae and Juju, and then I just got absolutely obliterated when they both got hurt. Um, but yeah, it wasn't great. But uh, I'd be comfortable taking him there, assuming he's healthy at that point. I'm only pre- I still think he's a, a clear middle of the first rounder, even at 12 or 13 games played, because he's going to give you top five running back production when he's out there. Yeah. And I think that's another key point to remember when you're dealing with guys that might miss a few games, like Devontae Adams, some of the other guys, that you have to factor in what their replacement level would be on those weeks for you, and that those players are still good enough at their peak and when they're on the field to be worthy of a high draft pick. Uh, we'll skip the Bears to the end so we can end on a high note for Paige. But let's go on to the Detroit Lions. Uh, when will the shift to DeAndre Swift be made? Week five when Carryon Johnson gets hurt. <laughs> I think Carryon Johnson is going to be the guy until he gets hurt, and I think that's probably going to be mid-October. And I don't know that he'll get his job back when that's the case, but I think Swift's going to need that first little bit of action to get to where he's ready to go and be the guy and prove that. And then they're not going to have a choice. So I'm going to go with week five. Yeah, that's about right. I was going to say week six. Um, just just a little bit more buffer room for the rookie, taking some time to get adjusted and, and really acclimated, whether it's injury or non-injury. I think that's about the time he'll end up taking over. Carryon Johnson just can't stay healthy. Um, and I think Swift is going to be enough in this offense, especially if Stafford's able to stay healthy, which I am accounting for in this offense to, to become the guy. They have been searching – in Detroit for quite some time to establish a running game. And I think DeAndre Swift can potentially be that guy. Um, but I, I agree with Jake. It's week five, week six, whether it's injury or non-injury. I think that's around the time you're going to see Swift become a more more focal point of this offense. And it unfortunately, it probably will be injury-related because Kerryon Johnson can't stay healthy. Yeah, I'm anticipating a, a like a 60-40, 65-35 split early in favor of Carryon Johnson. And then uh, at some point, Carryon Johnson's going to get hurt. But even if he doesn't, I do think that's going to slowly start to fade out. And then, But if he does get hurt, then the switch is going to be made immediately and Carryon's not going to get that Yeah, I agree with you, though. I think there's going to be a split early. Swift's yeah. going to be – he's going to be a thing yes. you know, through weeks one through five. I just think eventually he's going to be the dude. And when he is, whew. If you get him at the right, he's going so high in draft, it's kind of freaking yeah. out a little bit. I'm not taking him where he's fallen. But if he falls to you and somebody forgets about him, he's going to be a thing for sure. Yeah, I, I think he's an every week RB2 in the second half of the year. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I've said a lot of times, like if you've drafted a, you know, a lot of teams are in a position where they're drafting Chris Carson, James Conner, uh, Todd Gurley as their, as their RB2. And if you are worried about those players holding up through the course of the season or wearing down, getting a player like DeAndre Swift on your bench or Jonathan Taylor on your bench, where I think their production is going to be second half based, is how you can kind of play the middle ground there and give yourself that sort of insurance that you've been looking for. All right, let's end with the Chicago Bears. Let's stick with running backs. And this was a headache for Bears fans and fantasy owners last year. Let's talk about it this year. How much work will David Montgomery get this season? I'm going to go so you can finish, Paige. Uh, not enough. My first analysis is not enough. I think it's going to be very similar to last year. Tariq Cohen is the guy you want in this backfield because he's dropping like a freaking stone in these mock drafts. Like, I'm getting there, and I'm like, oh, damn, how is he still there? He's going to be an 80-catch guy. Yeah, give me that on my bench. 
Uh, By the way, Tariq Cohen's a top 25 running back for me. I know that's way higher than industry. Uh, and I love it. PPR, I love yeah, he's a monster. Like, I'm getting him in like rounds 11, where David Montgomery's gone in round four. I love the player. He's not being able to, he's just not going to be used enough. I hope to God it's more than we saw last year, but I have a feeling it's going to be the exact same freaking thing. Go ahead, Paige. Listen, I will live with this being wrong. Okay. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the Bears use him like I want him to be used. I hope he becomes a total stud. I just know better. I know better. And I know this offense and I know what Matt Nagy wants to do, not what he should do, what he wants to do. And that means that David Montgomery is not going to be the Matt Forte that you guys all want him to be. Okay. I get it. It's Chicago. He's a running back. He has all the tools to be that guy. He's just not going to be that guy. That's not how Matt Nagy runs this offense. We saw it last year, all year long. It didn't change. There was never a time where David Montgomery got utilized in the way that everybody in the fantasy community wanted him to be used. And quite frankly, every Bears fan wanted him to be used. It's just not happening. Listen, as I said, I will be happy to be wrong on this one. I will be the happiest Bears fan alive if Matt Nagy wakes up tomorrow and decides that he's going to change his offense and start doing what the hell he needs to do with David Montgomery. But that's not going to happen. So stop thinking that this is going to be a guy that you're really excited about. I, like Jake, have walked into many mock drafts where David Montgomery gets taken way too early, and I sit back and I take Tariq Cohen. And, I, and I'm very comfortable with it, especially in a PPR format, and it, and it makes me happy to be able to get Tariq way later on at great value. And there's no value for Montgomery because everybody, fans slash fantasy analysts included, visualize what could be versus what is. And it's just not going to happen. They don't align. They don't align. It's and all about it. risk versus value, right? There's risk with yes. Montgomery and there's value with Cohen. Correct. Period. That's it. And, and, so, I, and I get it. I hope, I wish. I can only dream. My, I would get less text messages from my dad on Sundays if Matt Nagy would actually play David Montgomery how he should be used. But that's not going to happen, and Plato's going to continue to send me 15 text messages about Matt Nagy's offense. So I will bring those to the table for one Monday show because y'all will laugh your asses off hearing the analysis that Plato has each and every Sunday, and it's not going to change. That's I'm here. I'm here for all of that. By the way, that's phenomenal. <laughs> but where where, where Montgomery is going in drafts is where T. Y. Hilton and Keenan Allen are falling. Yes. So don't take the risk there. Take the value on those two guys that are wide receiver ones on their teams, wide receiver two in your leagues that fall right in your lap because you need to go running back heavy. Don't if you go receiver heavy early. These are the kind of guys you're taking. There's too much risk there. Yeah. yeah I, I, by the way, I think right Tree Cohen might be my number one flex dude. Uh, and I'm getting yeah, him in like round 10 and 11. I'm getting him constantly. Him, Kareem it, it's, Hunt. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would take Cohen over Montgomery. Uh, regardless of just straight up uh, in terms of even if you gave me the same round, I'm taking Cohen over Montgomery. Uh, I have Montgomery ranked about a round lower than his current ADP right now. Uh, he's my RB27. Um, so, but a couple fun with numbers to end this off. Uh, one, I ended up settling on 235 carries, assuming he plays all 16 games for Montgomery. But here's some fun fact. And again, I will, I will take these numbers with a huge grain of salt because there is very much a chicken or the egg element to it. But in games, Montgomery received at least 20 carries last season. He averaged 4.3 yards per carry. 
in games and all other games, he averaged 3.3 yards per carry. Now, there becomes a little bit of a chicken in the egg. Was he more effective early so they gave him more touches or did he become more effective with more touches? So it's a little bit of that there, but something to kind he of keep an eye on. He becomes more effective with more touches, Jamie. Matt Nagy just doesn't give him the damn ball. That's the answer to the question, and it ain't changing because Matt Nagy's still there and he's still stubborn and he's not going to do what I've asked him to do for two freaking seasons, even when they were 12-4. and four, And Jake was pseudo-Bears fan with me for a year, yelling at Matt Nagy, stop getting cute and run the damn ball when it was Jordan Howard. Nothing's changed. It's, nothing's changed. It's the same damn thing we saw two years ago. I understand it's a different running back, but it's lit- like – Go back and listen to the podcast. Jake was yelling because he wanted me to be happy as a Bears fan. And he was like, Nagy, stop getting cute. Run the damn ball. And he wouldn't do it. By the way, guys, there's a quarterback aspect here. Nick Nick Foles is the dude. They're in shotgun way more than they're going to be under center. That does not suit Montgomery's running style. And it does not suit them being a running team. They might run a bunch of stuff out of that. But it's going to be all RPOs, which suits who? Three Cohen. Three Cohen. And yeah, so I, I put down right now. So my my projection is I settled at fourteen point six nine carries per game per David yeah, Montgomery. That ain't because there's no catches. It's not. It's not. Yeah, and maybe like that's not Kenyon Drake, right? Who's yeah. getting some catches on top of that? It makes it worth it. No, Tariq's getting the catches. That's who's getting the catches. I yeah, I, I, I think it. I have him getting. I have him forty targets for the season. So two and a half a game. Max, yeah. Yeah. Listen, I sacrificed the Bears season already. I've already tossed it up in favor of the Buccaneers getting the Super Bowl win. I can only put my Greek voodoo power towards one team. The only team that's getting it this year is the Bucs. So, sorry, Bears fans, it's over. Like, it's just – we're going to be 8-8. Eight eight. That's what's going to happen. The Packers are going to be 9-7. They're going to go to the playoffs. That's I've, – I've already, I've already reserved myself to this. Okay? This is, this is where we are. Okay? Just, uh, Henry don't want to hear it, but it's the truth. Okay. I get it. it's Henry's very sad, but you know what? This is this is these are the facts. So I'll let the listeners in on a little bit of a, a little bit of inside information here. Oh boy! I will be very close to the Chicago Bears this upcoming season. Yes, because you I will. am moving to Chicago, and I can, I will literally see the stadium from my apartment. Oh, can't wait to so, crash your pass. Uh, now I don't know if any fans are going to be allowed to be in anywhere in or around that stadium this season, but uh, so I will be in the center of the mess. Uh, if this season turns into one and the center of this Nick Foles mess, which is going to be a mess because I don't believe in Nick Foles at all. So I'm very excited to report back on what the boots on the ground in Chicago feel about what's happening this season. I'm, I'm this is excited. Be, I'm in for all of this. Oh, this is going to be you. Little did you know you get our, our intern Henry, AKA clutch is a bears fan. And he and I are team Mitch till we die. And I can't, good God, I hope we get I'm Mitch team Mitch over Foles. I don't know if I'm team Mitch yes. till I die, but I'm team Mitch over Foles. <laughs> here's the, here's the, I'm with Jamie on that one. I don't okay, know I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I want to have a long, fruitful life, but over my choice. You guys need to understand this because J, uh, who was I'm not battle? Mitch over Rodgers next year. No, listen. I'll be the biggest Aaron Rodgers fan about that 25 ever. Guys over yeah, year, there's but I'll be the biggest Aaron Rodgers fan there ever was if he comes to play in Chicago. But Joe and Kyle over at the draft dudes were doing a breakdown of the Bears, right? And they're talking about all this and they're laughing at me about how about Mitch and whatever. And I said, guys, look up the top 10 all-time passing leaders for the Chicago Bears. And they know. said, they said, there's no way Mitch is on that list. I go, you bet your damn ass he's on that list. He's number eight. 
And if he throws for 3,500 yards this year, which ain't shit, he'll be in the top five. So you have to understand. How big is Jay Cutler's lead? No, it's it's uh, it is Jay's lead. Jay's is it Jay or is it Luckman? Mm. No, it's Luckman's two, and Jay's number one. And well, Jay's by a by, long shot. I was gonna say by Jay's gonna have shot. a big yeah, lead. Yeah, I was say by a long the shot. The whole league is different. But the whole point, the point is that Mitch has played two seasons, and he played last season as a half of a quarterback. Wait okay? a minute. So that what the oldest or third oldest franchise in the NFL? Yes. And Mitch correct. is eight, eight on their all-time passing list. Eight. Eight. This is not this is this is the this context. This is a bad that, list. This is the context that people need, okay? You have to understand, okay? Kyle Orton, Sexy Rexy. These are my quarterbacks, guys. Like these are the people Sexy that we've had Rexy on the and ball. Kyle okay? This is They're the, on the list. <laughs> like, they the are the definition of flash. Okay, no, 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 okay, let's do this. No, we're doing this now. Okay, let's let's the top 10. I'll go back in order from 10 Please, to 10 God, to 1. I'm going to die. Uh, okay, so number 10. Man, I'm gonna have to have to, go ahead, Johnny go Lujak is number 10, which, by the way, with six, there's less than 6,300 yards. Yeah. Uh, number nine is Bob Alavini. Avalini? Okay, I'm Don't a know. football historian, and I'm drawing a blank on the Thank two you. of the 10 here. Okay. Eight is, is uh, Mitchell Trubisky. Seven is Ed Brown. Ed Brown, yeah. Uh, six blank. is... Billy Wade. Another blank. Five is Eric Kramer. Let's go. Four, four is Jim McMahon. Three is Jim freaking Harbaugh. Harbaugh. Two Sid Luckman. Or, and then what is Harbaugh's one. numbers? He was only there for like 18 uh, years. 11,567 for Harbaugh. Wow, okay. In 89 games. Uh, Luckman and then Jay Cutler with a 9,000 passing yard lead. Is number one at twenty three thousand four forty three. And, and, and who's the most hated man in Chicago Bears? Not history? by me. Not by me. Jay Cutler Not leads the, the Bears hatred list by a this million is, points, and he's the best where, quarterback you've ever had. This is where the podcast gets a little history lesson. Okay, I told y'all you can go back and find the receipts because they're on Twitter. There's a reason that my love affair with Bruce Arians starts way before I knew him because I wanted him to be the head coach of the Chicago Bears. Because in eight seasons, Jay Cutler had had seven offensive coordinators. They changed it each and every year, and the consistency was never there. And I thought to myself, if there's going to be somebody that can fix Jay, it's got to be Bruce Arians. And instead, they hired Mark freaking Tressman. So if, if you want to be mad at anybody, Bears fans, it's not Jay Cutler, okay? Do not have, have your hatred be towards Jay. It should be headed straight to George McCaskey because he is the one and Phil Emery because they're the ones who made those decisions, okay? So if you think in any, in any world, any, any, any possibility that Bruce Arians and Mark Tressman belong in the same sentence, you are wrong. This is the stupidest thing the freaking franchise ever did and they're the people to blame, not Jay Culler. And everybody needs to know this history lesson. So now you know. And if you didn't know, you're up on everything. This is why my hatred with the Bears. This is where this is where it started. I I hate that. That is like but the best them. trivia question of all That's time. So good. By nine thousand yards, who yes. is the Bears leading? Come on, man! Nine thousand yards also, to number two. And Jim yeah, Harbaugh's in the top five. Luckman's number two. Yeah, and look, this franchise has been around since like BC, but. 
Matt Barkley's number 32 on the list with seven games. <laughs> Josh McCown in 11 games is 27. Uh, Matt Barkley in seven games is 32. Brian Hoyer in six games is 35. And current backup Chase Daniel with eight games is 43. Mike Glenn is 45 in four games. The context matters here. So when people don't I thought understand- the Chiefs were like no. quarterback no. No. jinxed. This no. is the worst – how did I not? This is awful. This, it's the worst. It, that is why everybody that wants to be so critical of Mitch, he doesn't have to be that good to end up being the greatest quarterback the Bears have ever seen. The context matters. You're not talking about Green Bay. You're talking about the Bears. Like this, like Jay Cutler, who everybody loves to hate, is the number one overall passing leader by a mile. It matters. Don Magic Makowski would be like top three on this list. Dude, there are backup quarterbacks. He in might the be the best one they've be ever had. Yes. It, it's, it is so far past embarrassing. I can't. I, you could bring is, Jeff George out of retirement tomorrow, play six games, and he'd be top 20 on this list. Yes. Yes. This, this is, is why. This, it's mind-blowing. You are a historian of the game. You love the game. This is, this is why I told there people. There was five dudes I drew a complete blank on. In the top ten. <laughs> Come on, man. In the top ten. Kyle and Joe thought it was full of it, and I proved them. And I said, if Mitch throws for 3,500 yards, he's going to be top five. That is a low season. He doesn't have to do much. That's the point. Wow. All right. It, it yeah. is – Feel bad for me, okay? Feel bad for me because these – and Henry. These quarterbacks are ridiculous, okay? So – Shout out to Sweetness. Can, my love for you just got even yes, greater. Yes, yes. The all time – like, but that's why when people are like, why don't you care as much about offense? Huh, I wonder why. The Chicago and Pittsburgh are all defense. It's for good reason. At least Pittsburgh's got Big Ben. We ain't never and had Terry. anything like that. Yeah, yes. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. They're, they're, they got reason. We don't have any reason. Tommy Maddox would be top two. Let's say Tommy Maddox is probably a, a superstar in this team. I can't. This is like the, the podcast ended on such a high note, and now I'm back to depression because I realize how shit the top ten list is. Clutch. I, got, I, ha- Clutch, I have your next assignment. Find me another team in the NFL <laughs> with a top ten this bad. Look up Cleveland first. Cleveland, Arizona, maybe, but like the top of Arizona is going to be interesting. Dude, yeah. Kurt Warner and Carson Palmer. Yeah. yeah, but outside of that. <laughs> yeah, they're lit. Their Chicago are... ain't even touching those two. That's true. I know. Jay Cutler ain't touching either one of them. All Cleveland's right. true. Yeah, but right, Bernie Kozar was a thing, dude. Yeah. Bernie, Jay Cutler ain't touching Bernie Kozar. That's true. Plumber. Yeah, I mean, it's. Oof. it's it, I'm telling you. It's Find the me the Cleveland worst so I can know. Yeah. I need Cleveland post existence of the Super Bowl. Yes. The way that's like, 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 let's take Otto Graham and stuff like out of this. And There's then... 147 <laughs> starters since then that don't fit on the back of a yes. jersey that goes down to your ankles. Yeah. Super Bowl era Cleveland Browns top 10 passing. That's what we need. You know what's going to shock you? The Baltimore Ravens are going to be in this conversation. Oh, yeah, for sure. Phenomenal team with a ton of wins. With Kyle Bowler and Joe Flacco and – Trent Dilfer, Elvis Trent Durback. Dilfer, yeah. yeah. Okay, Balt, add Baltimore to the list there. All right, there, there you go, Henry. There's your, uh, your this next is, and I, and I think. Let's I let think the people I, that are listening go 
go do something else. Ja- I mean, J- Jacksonville. Yeah. David Dude, Mark Brunel was really freaking yeah, Brunel. Yeah, Brunel. I guess Br- yeah, but it's Brunel, but that's like Brunel and Gerard and Quinn Gray and this is, this is all Byron Leftwich. Their list is not as bad yeah. as what we just said. My brother, yeah. the Bears set a low standard. Chicago, big Bears fan. His favorite player in the NFL for a long time was Mark Brunel. Why? Because the Bears never had a damn quarterback. Okay, we in growing up in Chicago, he liked the Jacksonville quarterback. That is what the, that is the sad scenario that exists inside Chicago. Okay, so first, the last thing, the parting words on the podcast is how we end the podcast. I'll start and then I'll let the guys go. Jay Cutler, brother. I am so sorry that Bears fans are so stupid that they have been angry and mean to you for so long because you are the number one quarterback in the history of the Bears franchise, one of the oldest franchises in all of the NFL, and it ain't close, bro. So I'm sorry that the organization did you wrong because you had plenty of opportunities to be that dude. You went mano in mano with Aaron Rodgers, and it was not your fault when you guys lost in the NFC Championship game. I think the only person that we should be angry with is Phil Emery. That's it. That's all. That's the only. And George McCaskey. Those are the two Tune people. Tune in you next want time to, to the We Hate the Bears podcast, brought to you yes. by Paige Demacos. Yes. Uh, look, I I'm still going to criticize Jay's body language because it's the worst in NFL history. Even though he's yes. the best quarterback in could've, Bears history. Could have been fixed by Bruce. Still convinced. I'll agree with that, and I'll succeed to Jamie on my yep. time. That's right. Uh, it's still amazing to me that in an offseason where they could have gotten Jameis Winston for 36 oh, cents in an Italian beef strange. sandwich, they decided to trade draft capital and re-up on Nick Foles. So uh, they get Dude, what they you deserve. You are on one today. Can we get like a, a Jamie takes out, out cast from today? Like this is awesome. I was up early, ready to go. But seriously, you could have got Jameis Winston for, for negative dollars and decided to You're trade to Nick a Foles tangible and, asset. And then give him an extension. Yes. Thirty-six cents in an Italian beef sandwich. I wouldn't trade an Italian beef sandwich for any quarterback in the NFL if you've had a good one from Johnny's Beef. But that's a whole nother. That is a whole nother podcast that we'll do at a later time. Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Hey, I'm I'm drooling for a second talking about the Italian beef. It's getting mm-hmm. a little close to lunchtime. Jake Bearians yeah. on Twitter. Jamie, follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. Uh, you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page, uh, both on Twitter and Instagram. Today is going to turn into a, a Bears holiday, so I'm probably going to end up spending some time looking at Jay Color highlights and putting them on Twitter. So feel free to 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 come along this journey with me, Bears fans, because man, it's been a hell of a hell of an interesting one. And be sure to check out uh, Jake's article coming out, DraftNetwork.com. You got uh, updates to the Eisner board uh, that you guys can check out as premium members. So be sure to check all of that out on the DraftNetwork.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.